Our friends at 13 make high-quality, super comfy clothes that fit wicked noise. I'm telling you, everything that I've ordered for them is fantastic. It looks great. It feels great when I put it on. Our friends at 13 are so kind and nice that if you go to their website, thur13en.com, pick yourself up a hoodie, a hat, a shirt, Use the code word CoreyCast at checkout, and you're going to save yourself a little bit of cash. I can't tell you how much I love their stuff and how great those people are that work there. So pick yourself up. Treat yourself. This episode of CoreyCast is brought to you by the letter D for Detroit Boxing Company. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite clothing lines. They have fantastic shirts, amazing hoodies, comfortable sweatpants, dope ass hats in these clothes will make you feel fantastic the cut is just perfect on them and every time i get something i'm like ooh, i need to order myself some more they have a strong focus on the boxing community which is something that i really love you know that i love martial arts and boxing is for sure a martial art no doubt about it. And TJ is doing a lot of great stuff with his company. So make sure you show him some love, just like he's showing the viewers of the Corey cast some love. Go ahead, pick yourself up a t-shirt. DetroitBoxingCompany.com. Use the code word CoreyCast at checkout. All one word. And save yourself a little bit of cash. At the time Al Peachy and I recorded this podcast, he worked for Howard Hanna as the president of the the eastern side of New York, right? Like Capital Region, Central New York, like that area. As of yesterday, I'm recording this on August 24th, he became the New York State president for Howard Hanna. So his reach is way more massive now, and it's a real big step up in responsibility for L. And I could see why Howard Hanna put him in that position. He's got over 20 years of managing experience, and he is really good at coaching not only his managers that work below him, but even agents, people who come on board. Al has always been in reach. Anytime you needed something, you could call him, talk to him, pick his brain about it. doesn't matter what time of the day, and that's what I've always admired about Al. He has that reputation for being someone who like genuinely cares about the people that he works with and works for. So him now broadening his reach, getting that promotion to now of New York State, I totally understand why after our conversation that we had. It was really enlightening to kind of see real estate from more of a management perspective where you're trying to focus on building your agents, building your company. It was a really cool point of view that I don't really get to think about too much. So Al really got some awesome topics and I asked whatever questions I could think of that I thought I could learn from. So I hope you learned something from this too. No more talking. Here is my friend, Al Peachy. What's your official title with Howard Hanna? So I'm the president of the Eastern New York District, um, which encompasses really the Capital Region, Syracuse, and the southern tier of New York State. So basically everything um, in Syracuse and east of Syracuse, and then really north of uh, New York City. Wow. So 
it sounds like pretty much everything in New York State, right? Well, everything other than the western part of the state and really the whole Long Island, New York City, you know, that Westchester kind of uh, Duchess area, that kind of falls into our other company, um, Howard Hanna Rand Realty, which covers that market. It's, we call that the downstate market. This is really the upstate market. Yeah, there, there's so much there's so much differences between those two markets, really. Tremendously. And there's really a tremendous difference, too, in the the um, way they do business. You know, a lot of as you move downstate, they do binders and then move into contracts. Upstate is more just contract driven. So the standards of practice are tremendously different, too, as you move into that downstate market. For the most part, in the upstate area, it's kind of consistent. Agents drop contracts, attorneys review contracts. There's different contracts in the market, but but it's it's a more uh, similar process. Yeah, I tell a lot of people it's very different between state to state, but even in state, yeah. there's different ways to handle it depending on where you're at. Yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, we we all follow the, the kind of standards of practice that kind of get dictated from either the association we're affiliated with or the MLS. And each MLS has some different nuances. You know, we follow certainly the National Association of Realtors guidelines, but, you know, each individual um, you know, MLS can have a little different way as long as it complies um, generally with what uh, the National Association of Realtors wants. So there, there are some differences in practices, but for the most part, you look at, you know, going out, meeting a buyer, drawing up a contract, having an attorney review it, doing inspections, doing all those things. Those are pretty consistent in every market. Yeah, it's usually usually those same steps for how you get to A, B, and C could be different. A, a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what, like, I don't even know, I asked Mark Gray, I was like, what does a normal day look like for, for you, Al? Like, I don't even know where to begin. Like you get it. It's probably every day is different, but if it's right. a normal run of the mill day, you come into the office, what does it, what does it look like? So I'm, a, I'm an early riser in the morning. I usually get up around uh, five or five fifteen, uh, three days a week. Um, I usually um, leave my house at five 45, go to the gym to work out at six 30. So from six 30 to seven 30, I work out in the gym. Um, and then usually by 7.45 or 8 o'clock, I am in the office every day. So um, my days vary. You know, I'm, I'm when I say I'm in the office, I'm not really in the office all the time. I'm in the region here. So, you know, much of my day sometimes is out in the field, you know, going to offices, visiting agents, talking with agents uh, on the phone a lot, trying to work through transactions. As you know, Corey, you're you're a very successful um, real estate agent. A lot of transactions now are timely to try to keep together. You know, you get to a certain point and they need a little shepherding along the way to keep them together. So I, I talk with agents about some strategies sometimes, how to do that. Um, and, and then really, you know, it's going out and helping agents grow their business. It's really doing some business planning with them, sitting down and coaching them a little bit. Um, I love to kind of meet with, you know, newer agents, or those agents that have been with us for a few years that have done you know, three or four million dollars in business and want to get to 10 million or I've done 10 and want to get to 15 and to build a team, how they build a team and do they get an administrative assistant first or do they get a buyer's agent? You know, so all that is stuff that uh, really goes into a normal part of my day. And then, you know, I certainly make some trips out to the other regions, out to Syracuse and out to the Southern Tier. Um, you know, I was fortunate that we got out there the other day. We had a great day for the clam banks. So, yeah, for that awesome. um, age and interaction is great. It's, it's really what makes the job really, really enjoyable is when I get out in the field and get to meet with our team and everything. Yeah, I was going to add, like, what's your favorite part that you get to do that's part of your job? 
Yeah. So uh, I guess to me, you know, being in the office is part of what I need to do, but being out in, in the field with our team, whether it's, you know, working through a transaction, whether it's helping them grow their business, whether it's, you know, going to a function where a bunch of our team is together, like the clam bake that we just had. Those to me are the fun things to do. They're, you know, that you get to know people more on a personal level. Like, you know, you and I had that opportunity to talk for 15 yeah. or 20 minutes the other day. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure we would just pick up the phone and just say, hey, Corey, it's Al, how you doing? Yeah, right. And have that same kind of dialogue, you know? So that's the fun part of getting that face-to-face stuff. And as we kind of work through, hopefully, the last stages of this whole pandemic we've been in for the couple of years, we get to do much more of that. You know, there's, the, I think the vast majority of the world today is kind of, okay, we got to get to as close to that normalized life as we can, people starting to travel again. So I think everyone's really looking forward to that interaction, especially in our business, which is a very personal business. You know, it's a lot of face-to-face. It was during the pandemic and it is more so today. So, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's the part I really look forward to that we can do more things like that. We can get more people together and we really get agents back in the office. You know, I, it looks like you're in your office there. Yeah. Um, I, I love to see agents in the office and, you know, we've gotten to more of that agents work at home. Some still come in the office. I think the most productive people have typically come into the office during the whole pandemic, but getting more people back into the offices is really something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it was, it's really nice to be able to, when we had met together at the clan bank, it was really nice because, I mean, geez, we talked for 15, 20 minutes. I got to know you a little bit more other than like, yep. I think I met you one other time in passing. was just like, hey, Al, nice to meet you, Corey. And then we parted ways, but we got there. actually sure. got to sit and talk down for 15 minutes. And I roped you into doing a podcast with me. Well, it's, <laughs> it's all good stuff. It's all good. And you know, the, the, the great part is, you know, you, between the three regions I have, you probably have 1,200 real estate agents that, you know, work under those umbrellas. And, and but it's nice just when you get to sit down, you know, we, we talked to a couple of different people while you and I were even chatting and I introduced yeah. you to someone that, you know, is a top agent in the market that you really hadn't even, you know, met before in the market. Yeah. Those things are all kind of fun and, they're, and they help you grow your business. They help other people can make a connection with you. And hopefully that leads to uh, some business between the two of you down the road. Yeah, no, it was really cool. You helped me, uh, you introduced me to Linda Rauch, which is like one of yeah. the top constantly producing agents in uh, Skinny Alice. So it was really cool, yeah. like even asking her a couple of questions and figuring out like how she does things. I think that's also a part of this office atmosphere is like getting to, when you're walking through the office, you hear Donna, how she's venting about how she's yeah. taking care of a, an obstacle in a transaction or how she delegates this task. It's like, getting to be in the office is nice because I'm like absorbing all of this stuff while also working. And also, yeah, and, and, my two-year-old, it's a little quieter in the office. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the nice thing is like when you get the opportunity to pick other people's, you know, ideas and thoughts and how they do business, all of us have a great way, I think, to interact with people. But the more you know and the more you can understand how other people that are successful have done it for a longer period of time, I think it just helps your business. You can take some of those you know, characteristics and traits, merge them into your business and, and use them when you need to. And, you know, someone like, you know, Donna is a great agent in your office. She's got, I'm sure, great expertise and can help you with, you know, different questions that you may have. And I think that's something that newer agents were really missing during the pandemic is that interaction. We still brought a lot of people into the business, but without as many people being in the office, they didn't get that interaction. They didn't get to sit down and say, Corey, geez, uh, I'm looking to do an open house this weekend. You know, you're a great listing agent. Can I do an open house for you? 
there just wasn't as much of that going on. So it was harder to make those connections and really kind of find ways to understand the business better for newer people. It came really down to the manager and our training department, which has done a fantastic job working with them. But that human interaction, there, there's nothing that can replace that, really. Yeah, and especially when, uh, I mean, my office is full of people who have been around since uh, Howard Hanna was Realty USA and before that, Gallinger. We got at least one or two of them. I know that we're right. here for Gallinger and then even Realty USA. And uh, those people are such a wealth of knowledge. Like just, you talk about business practices being so much different between agents. Because you have like, like Linda Rauch. I don't think she is on Twitter no, <laughs> or, or Instagram. No. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that doesn't mean she's not successful. Right. No. Like, and there's some agents who only put their eggs in the basket for social media and they are yeah. very successful. Yeah. So it's, it's such a weird, and I say this all the time. It's such a weird business because there is a right and wrong way to do it, but there's lots of paths that are the right way to, yeah. to grow your business. Well, and, and if you think of the basic premise of our business, it's finding ways to meet with buyers and sellers, right? So the more we can connect with people, the more we have opportunities to really grow that base of people. So whether it's you using social media, which I know you're on social media a lot, or whether it's Linda just marketing um, to friends and family that she has known and done business with, or it's someone reaching out to their COI, their center of influence seven or eight times a year. No matter how you make those connections, as long as you're making those connections and helping people understand how you can help them understand what their wants and needs are and sell their house or buy a house. I think to me, it's really all part of the the makeup of the person, the makeup of the people you're communicating with. As you know, some people love to be um, communicated with via text messages. Other people want a, a phone call, you know, so it depends on um, what the person's looking for that you're trying to connect with. But to me, it's all about making the connection with that buyer or seller, not necessarily how you do it. So. Yeah, right. Just staying like top of mind. There's so many different ways yep. that you can stay top of mind. When you have, you talk about helping an agent like grow their business. Say like you have a new agent that comes to you and says, Al, I just want to grow my business from say four and I want to double it to eight. Yep. What, how do you like lay out the game plan for something like that? So what, what I like to start with is where has your business come from? So if you've done $4 million, how did you get that $4 million? Did you go out and do open houses? Did you work fizzballs? Did you start you know, marketing to your center of influence? So how did you get that business? And then trying to decipher as um, you look at that business, where did it come from? And then saying, what other areas can you use to build your business to get to $8 million? So maybe this person did a lot of open houses and really met buyers and sellers in open houses. And if they did $4 million from that, that's fantastic. But have they started to reach out to those people they've done business with and connect to them every couple months or every three or four months and say, you know, how can I help you or some of your friends or some of your neighbors either list their house or buy a house? And it's so it's building that base of people up but it's finding out really where that business has come from. So I took a lot of, you know, agents, sometimes they're on a team and I, you know, they're like, well, you know, my team's not giving me as many leads as they used to because the leads are down right now. And then, you know, what I always say to that person is you got to look at every transaction you got from that team. So let's say you did 20 transactions and you're on a team and 10 of those came from the team leader from their center of influence. Can you take those 10 transactions and find a way to, 
get those on your own. Because when people say, I want to go on my own and I may be, it's time for me to leave a team, you always got to look at how much business is coming from a team, you know, and great teams really feed those agents leads left and right, track them and everything. So, you know, taking that agent from four to eight million is really kind of looking at what the business is like, where that business is coming from, and then setting up a plan to really grow to the next level. They could be working with all buyers. So how do you get that person to start getting more listing focus, you know, especially in today's market? Yeah. We we want listings. I, I, I've i said yeah. for the last year, if you have a listing, you pretty much have a 100% chance of getting paid. If you're working with a buyer, probably have about a 15% chance of getting paid. Probably a little bit better now, but one in seven offers for the most part got accepted, you know, in the last yeah. six or eight months. And now maybe closer to 20 or 25 or 30%. But Having listings, if you want to grow your business, being a strong listing agent, you're going to get buyers from that. So it's taking that $4 million agent, maybe getting a different focus on listings as as opposed to just working with buyers. Because usually when you're newer to the business, you're more buyer oriented than seller oriented. Yeah. And here I am four years in, I'm still very buyer heavy just because it's like my generation of my, uh, you said your SOI or COI is just very young young people who are ready to buy their first house. So it's like my, that's kind of my niche is, is tons of buyers. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think I'm about averaging about seven offers until we get one written. I mean, at least this was 2020, 2021. Now it's slightly skewed a little different. Um, So when, do you prefer like, help that individual grow their business or do you prefer like building up the team to grow the team business? So it it really depends on the agent. So, you know, agents go on a team in my mind for one reason, and that's to generate leads that they can't generate themselves. So let's say an agent's new to the Albany market has moved here from an outside area, spouse or someone got transferred to the market and they want to get in the the, uh, real estate business in Clifton Park. I may say you don't have a center of influence here in the marketplace to generate leads on your own. So why don't you go on a team for a couple of years, use that team to get some name recognition in the market, help build up your name a little bit, help you get the money that you need to succeed and, you know, get, get, get us started. And then from there, you know, maybe take the next step. Once you know the market more, once you understand the market, once you've made some friends in the market, then go out on your own and start building your own business. Um, you know, so that that's where I think teams are really, really valuable. Um, you know, some people just like to gravitate towards a team because they're not good marketers themselves. You know, they don't do the things that we just said. They're, they don't go on social media. They don't prospect. They don't um, do open houses and the team can feed them business. So certain agents are great. People, you know, people, persons. So when they get in front of a buyer or seller, they're great to work with. It's a matter of getting that buyer or seller in front of them. And yep. so that's where a team comes in. Um, um, well, um, an agent that I think, uh, you know, if they're a go-getter, they have a, uh, they've lived in this area a long time. They have a good center of influence. Um, they're willing to go out and make calls. They're willing to do open houses. They're willing to, you know, put themselves out in the marketplace. Those are people that I don't think to need to be on a team because they can build their own business and build their own name recognition on their own. Yeah, no, and it's like taking these goals and also like applying them to like a measurable base, like making sure that we can kind of keep tracking that to grow the business. And with somebody like, say like a, somebody who's in real estate versus somebody who's like management or something you know, like in your position, how do you now measure your success, Al? Is it just like how 
each office does dollar dollar wise or is it also like retention in new new recruits yeah so there, there there's a couple of things that that i guess i look at so from our um just a pure management standpoint our managers and this includes me have two roles recruit and retain so yep. we want to retain our team so retaining our team is doing things that help their business to um, take their business to whatever level they want so you know an agent like yourself, you want to grow your business core. You want to keep growing year in and year out. Someone that's been here 20 or 25 years may be winding down. So how do you help them wind down their business? You know, how do you help them take the database of people they have and not lose it and kind of transfer that to someone else? So that's all part of the retention process. Um, it, it's doing great team building. It's having things in the office or doing things like we did with the clam bank. It's being there when our agents need them. You know, if, so Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning and you call me and you have a problem with a transaction, I want to be there for you. I want to help you kind of work your way through that. So as much as we don't want to think this is a 24-7 job, there's a lot of hours that we all put into it. So the management retention part is being there for our team, helping them grow their business or helping them to get the point in their career that they want to be at. And then the other side is bringing new talent into the company, you know, where you call it talent attraction, whether you call it recruiting, whatever it may be. You know, I think the old saying is if you do the same thing every day, you get the same results. So you either got to help your team grow and you can do that, but you also got to help bring new talent into the business. Because I think the more talent we bring in and the more business we have from our existing team to be the best advertisement we can have. If I'm here in Clifton Park or, you know, we're in Syracuse and all of a sudden we have 10 or 15 signs in a neighborhood that say Howard Hanna, that's the best branding for all of us, you know, because, because at the end of the day, they see your sign, they see Donna's sign, they see other agents in your office sign. It helps build all of our brand and helps all of us get more business at the end of the day. Yeah. And like recruiting is such a different ballpark. I've never had to think of when I was in retail management, there was like very slight recruit. Like I always had business cards. And then if I was in like a, like uh, I recruited this lady from Burned Dairy once when I was just thought she had great customer service and I gave her my car. I'm like, Hey, I'm assistant manager at Runnings. I want you to apply, call and say that you know me. That was literally the only kind of recruitment <laughs> that I know of, right? Yep. Which is bumping into somebody who I thought had great customer service. When you are trying to like recruit somebody, what's the game plan? Like how do you have certain steps that you follow or is it just like kind of very depending on the agent? Yeah, it varies depending on the agent. So it's certainly different recruiting someone new to the business that's never been in the real estate business before. It's showing them how they can be successful, how they can make 30000 or 40000 or 50000 the first year. If I'm recruiting a more experienced agent, it's more about here's the product services and tools that we have that can help you become more efficient with your business. Because as you know, Corey, we have a tremendous amount of different tools. Okay. Not everyone uses every single tool. But three or four of those tools, everyone should use to help them become more efficient in their business and help their business grow. So when you look at more experienced people, you look at why they're not happy with where they are, what what has happened in their current environment um, that, that makes them want to make a move. And so trying to find that out and then sitting down and trying to solve that problem for them of how we can help them do whatever they need to do. That's kind of the talent attraction on the experienced agent side. And then the new agent side, it's really just showing them, um, you know, what we have as a, as a brand new agent that you can use 
to kind of reach out and kind of build your business to get to you know the first transaction, the fifth transaction, the tenth transaction, um, and and we have a great support structure. Right? You know, we have great managers, as as you well know from the for, for, from being in the office that you're in. And at the end of the day, you know, taking those managers and helping a new agent grow the business. You know, we just recruited um, an eight million dollar agent here in Clifton Park the other day, and it was the manager sitting down and showing that person on their laptop all probably not all but probably six or seven different tools that we have and how that agent can use each of those tools to be more successful in making them more efficient reaching out to their coi so working smarter as opposed to working harder yeah and that's that and i always it's like when you're in this business you i get these recruitment calls all the time and the thing that drives me nuts is like when i al i hope i don't i hope i don't blow up one of something that you do but it like when when al's secretary calls me to set up an appointment with al yeah that drives me crazy i'm always like have al call me and i'll talk to him yeah that, and, i don't and, know why but that drives me crazy but i'm 100 percent the same page so to me you know when we're trying to attract someone with a lot of experience it's a personal connection it's not the connection of geez i'm gonna have someone else call you to see how they can make an appointment and i i, I had this was a high school friend and I'm not going to mention the, the, the company he worked for, but it was the same thing, you know, and, and I hadn't seen the guy in probably 10 years and he saw my name in the newspaper somewhere and he had his administrative assistant call me and he's like, so-and-so wants to have a meeting with you. I said, well, you can have so-and-so give me a call if it's really that important yeah, to him, know. you know? And so that, that kind of stuff, again, I'm on the same page as you. Our business is very much a personal one-on-one business, I think. And to yeah. attract people, You've got to be in front of them. You've got to be working with them. You've got to know them. You've got to know the business that they're doing. You know, if you just closed on a million dollar transaction, I may reach out to you and say, Corey, congratulations. I see you just closed on a big deal. I would not have my administrative assistant reach out to say, hey, Corey, Al thought um, I should reach out to you. You know, it, it just, it, it's, it's a negative, it's a negative, um, I guess, touch as opposed to a positive touch. Yeah, I don't, and I was kind of nervous saying, because I was like, watch out, be like, hey, no, that's, that's okay. That's like, so good. I'm a big fan of Tom Ferry and Tom yep. Ferry is always about like delegate, 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 delegate. But like something like that is just, it's so weird, especially when you're trying to like show them the energy you have and show them the energy or the, the energy the, the brokerage has when you're trying to recruit them. It seems like a, a wasted phone call rather than Al being like, Man, let's get coffee. I want to know how you close that million dollar deal. How did you right. do that? I didn't think that house was going to sell for a million. Can we get coffee? Yeah. At least it's a more like, it seems like a more personal touch, you know? Absolutely. Well, and, and again, to go back to what Tom says, I mean, he's, he, he's a great coach. You do have to delegate the busier you get. You know, I, I, I have like, when I sit down and, and talk to a team leader and, you know, they want to grow the business from 15 million, maybe to 25 million. And they have a, uh, uh, an administrative assistant today. And I'm like, well, so are you going to, bring on buyer's agents and start giving buyer leads. I don't know if I can give up my buyer leads. The team said, you know, team leaders and and they can't delegate. They don't want to delegate. Right. And you're never going to grow your business unless you're doing, you know, transactions for three or $4 million and you only can do eight or 10 of them a year um, and do $30 million. You're never going to grow your business and get past 20 or 30 transactions yeah. unless you find ways to delegate. I mean, I, I have a great team of managers around me. You know, obviously I have Mark Ray in your market. I have Marianne Morehouse in the Southern tier. We have management teams underneath us. 
we have to delegate. There's no way that I would be able to, you know, oversee the whole eastern part of New York State without being a good delegator, without having good people around you. So delegating is easy to do when you have a strong team of people to rely on, people that have good experience. That's the same thing in building a team. So if you're looking to build a real estate team, you've got to have good people around you so that if you go away for a couple of days, you don't have to worry about everything getting done because you know you have a great team of people there to support you. You know that if you give Al Peachy a buyer lead, He's going to go out and take care of it. He's going to follow up with it. He's going to stay on top of it. He's going to make sure that, you know, he reaches out to the person seven or eight times as opposed to one time to see if he can make a connection. You know, those are things that I think, you know, you have to teach people how to do as part of that team process. But to grow your business, you have to find ways to delegate. Yeah, I uh, last year I did just a little over, I was like six million Point oh one or something like very just yeah. over the 6 million cusp. And I remember times last year where I feel like I was pulling my hair out yeah. and I was almost to that point where I was like, all right, I need to do something here to grow the business. And do you think that number could be different? It, it's gotta be different because like last year at 6 million, it was like 30 something, 35 transactions yeah. as opposed to like maybe somebody like Don, uh, Linda Rauch who, does 40 million <laughs> yeah like yeah like 50 million and you know it's it's 15 20 transactions yeah. there's a difference but how how does a real estate agent know when it's time to grow the business in terms of like their team or finding new delegation products to put in place or systems yeah. to put in place yeah so so each one of us you me we all have points in our day or points in our week where we feel somewhat overwhelmed everything's coming at us at the same time so to me those are the situations you have to look at and say is that happening once a day for an hour is it happening once a week for an hour yeah. some agents can handle 30 transactions i know some that can handle 40 or 50 transactions very easily. So when I sit down and try to coach someone of what is the next step, that's what the first thing I talk about is how many transactions have you done? Well, first we talk about where do you want to be? And then how many transactions have you done? How many transactions can you do? So I said, if I'm meeting with someone, someone may say to me, and, and, and this sounds like such a simplistic way to look at it, I can do one transaction a week. Well, that means you can handle 52 transactions over the course of a year. Person's like, yeah, I can do that. And I said, well, you're going to handle all these parts of the transaction too. You're going to handle the inspections. So you're going to go out and meet with the inspectors, right? Yes. You're going to work with buyers. You're going to work with sellers because it's easier to work with a seller than it is be running around with buyers, you know, and looking at six or seven or eight or 10 houses. So it's also part of what the mix is in those transactions too that determines how much business the person can handle. If you're doing 30 transactions and you're working, totally with buyers, you know, it's probably a different situation than doing 30 transactions and 25 of those are sellers and five are buyers. So it's looking at the mix of business, but it's also looking at that the individual person's makeup. You know, some people may say, Hey, I, I, I I have to get to my kids sporting events at five o'clock on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So those are times that I can't work. And you look at that, then there's a lower threshold of how much business they can handle. They still may may be able to do 30, but can they do 40? The person who's doing the same thing that maybe doesn't have a family, um, you know, and they just want to focus on the business, maybe they can do 40 or 45 transactions. So all the situations are a little bit different and the makeup of the business somewhat determines 
how much of um, that unit number you can go um, up to. You know, so again, like I said, if you're working with sellers, it's certainly a little bit easier than it is working with buyers today. Yeah, a little less time, yeah. time devotion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny you said earlier is like you got to think of it like how long are you dealing with these problems? Is like one day for for two hours. And I remember last year. I was having one of those moments where I was like, oh, I read this. Everything is on fire right now. I'm so stressed. And my wife would look at me. She was like, okay, so this is like an hour, right? Like you got to kind of put out the fire. That's an hour invested. But remember when you worked retail, every single day was on fire. Sure. Every you were on call 24. Like you always had fires to put out when you're in retail. You're like, she's like now in, real estate she's like you're putting out those fires but you get to be with ashton you know like i get to be with my son you know like i get to make the phone calls while i'm still involved and invested with him so it's like taking that step back for me has been a big reminder that it's like yeah maybe i'm stressed out right now but all things considered i'm still a lot better off than i was in retail absolutely (laughs) you're right you have to put everything in perspective of either where you are or where you're going you know and one thing i see you know it doesn't happen often but you know you put out that fire and you're all hairy trying to get everything done and then you're running to a listing appointment five minutes later and you run into that appointment and you're kind of crazed yeah you're like ah (laughs) you know you're all over the place and so you know one of the things i say to people is once you put out the fire once you get the problem solved you got to kind of put it out of your mind. It's out of mind, out of sight, because the last thing you want is to walk into that listing appointment, still carrying the baggage of the problem you had a few minutes ago, because then you're not going to do a good job in the appointment either. So you got to, you know, one of the things in our business, you've got to really shut out the negative stuff, focus on the positive stuff. And certainly when you go to appointment, whether it's for the seller or buyer, they're the most important people in the world at that at that moment. You know, you may have to go back and solve that problem once you get out of that meeting again, yeah. but you got to keep focused on that specific situation at that time. Now, what is the best piece of advice you would give an agent looking to grow their business? Well, I, I guess, you know, look at, you know, I, I, I always say you don't have to invent the wheel. Look at people who are successful in our business. You know, sit down with someone in a different market. You know, you at Howard Hanna, we have agents in all different markets. You know, find someone like yourself that's successful. You know, if I have a new agent here and I'm saying to her, you know, or him, how do you want to grow your business? And they're like, I, I don't know. We're like, well, find another person in the office to talk to or talk to me or talk to the manager and just come up with a path. Everyone's path to grow their business is going to be a little bit different. But this agent could have the same path as you do and do the same things that you do to be successful. So, you know, you don't really have to reinvent the wheel to kind of, you know, look at someone else's game plan. You know, you may not share what you do with people in the office, but you may share it with someone in a different uh, market who's not competing against you, you know, how you've done grown your business. And, you know, I, I look at some agents having a mentor in the office to work through three or four transactions with and help them understand what they need to do. One of the biggest challenges for new agents is they they feel like they have to learn everything before they go out on the listing or buyer appointment. And trust me, I, 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 I learn something new every day. I, I had a call an hour or two ago. It's something I've never heard of. I had to think about it a little bit, come up with a solution for it. So we all learn new things every day. But as an agent, you can't know everything 
hey, you can't know every question that's going to be asked of every transaction. You've got to be flexible enough to say, geez, I can find out that answer for you and answer it in a way where it's not coming across like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I can find a solution for you. And so, you know, helping new agents grow their business, I do think a mentor is great. I do think partnering with an agent in the office is great. I think an agent or a manager going out and doing the first couple of listings with an agent is great. I, you know, it, we had a situation the other day where I know an agent was going out on a big transaction. It was a $3 million listing. And the agent's a pretty successful agent. She's probably a 7 or $8 million agent. She brought her manager along with her because she was uncomfortable going out on that transaction by herself. Yeah. And that's what you should do. You know, you should never be afraid, I think, whether it's you, whether it's, you know, me, I, I if I need some help with someone, I'm going to pick up the phone and call them. It could be Hobie, it could be Merle, it could be, you know, someone just say, hey, I, I need some help with something. You know, this is, I, 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 it's above where I'm comfortable making a decision on. And you get to that point all the time, I think, as real estate professionals, and we have to bring someone along with us. And I think our managers are great resources to go out with agents new and experienced and help them feel more confident, but also bring a different perspective to that seller or buyer. You know, if you walk in with your manager and you say, hey, this transaction is so important to me that I want to have another set of eyes and ears here to hear what is important to you, how we can best market your house, how we can get this house sold for you. That goes a long way with a seller that you brought another level of expertise in. Right, right. And you you mentioned that the mentor. For me here at Howard Hanna, I literally pick this brokerage because Donna Jordan was here and I wanted to be her mentee so bad because I, I have a long history with Donna. She's been in my life since I was a 17 year old kid with a whole crop of like skater surfer boy <laughs> hair when I was a cashier. Right. And she is phenomenal. And uh, that was one thing that she always stressed to me. Like even, even after our mentorship, like the Howard Hanna contract mentorship broke, she was still like, just calm. Like, that doesn't mean like you can't talk to me about stuff. Sure. So like I, I had an issue this past week that I called Donna on and I was like, I don't know what I would do with this. How do you take care of that? And she was always a big proponent of saying like, never be afraid to say, I don't know how we do yeah. X, but let me do some research and then I will get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, again, I think most people know when we give an answer that's not a legitimate answer to, because you're kind of like, mm, you know, I'm thinking a little bit on and then, oh, I, I got an idea. And the person, I think if they're, you know, smart enough, is probably like, well, I, that person maybe just came up with that. That's a bluff. That's not a legitimate answer, you know? And so that hurts more sometimes than taking that step back and saying, you know, I'm going to answer the 90% of the questions that you gave me. And there's one or two that I just need to do a little bit more homework on. I'll get back to you within an hour or two, not three or four days though. It's an hour or two, you know, that you're going right. to circle back. To. Now I last question, and I asked you this at the clan bank, but I want to ask again, cause I, I want to make sure it's in my mind. Like we were talking about the importance of a mentor and even at somebody in your position, you had mentioned that you had a mentor who, if you don't want to mention who it is, that's fine. But like what qualities of that mentor really attracted you towards uh, finding advice, finding the the information from them? Yeah. So, you know, again, when, when, when I look at a, a mentor and again, I've, I've had a couple of great ones. Um, it's really the tough love conversation. It's like, you know, you, so you go to your mentor where you're feeling overwhelmed sometimes you're feeling down in the dumps and you're feeling like, woe is me. And that person helps build you back up again. Um, so I guess, you know, 
to me, one of the best qualities of mentors, just being there for someone. So like, when I pick up the phone and, and I'm having a rough day and I call, you know, the, one of the couple people that are, that, that, that I know are going to pick up the phone right away. And it's like, Hey, you know, here's a situation I have. Can you help me solve it? And sometimes, in fact, most of the time I have the answer. I just want to hear that same answer from someone else too, you know, yeah, that right. it's reinforcing what I'm thinking. So, you know, uh, again, you know, we, uh, we have a lot of coaches in, in the, in the business. So, you know, a lot of people use coaches to help kind of motivate them to do more. Some use their manager, some use myself, you use Donna Jordan, you know, or right. someone else in the office to help guide you along. So whoever that mentor is to me, it's gotta be a person that you like, that you trust and that you're comfortable having, you know, tough conversations with, you know, you're kind of spilling your heart out a little bit to that person when you're having a rough day or when you're down in the dumps, you know, that person helps building you back up again. Yeah. But also like not only building you back up, but also not being that yes man. Right. Like, Absolutely. Like if yeah. you fudged up, you don't want them to be like, Oh no, Al, you are good. The The floor yeah. is sacred where you walk. It is no, like you want to be like, Al, you messed up a little bit. It's yeah. all right though. We can fix it. You know, like you want that tough love. Well, and, and again, so, you know, I, I have the great opportunity of manager a real diverse group of people in, in East New York, and, and I'm a big delegator. I'll be the first to admit. So, you know, when someone comes to me and says, hey, I have, I have a question on how to do something, it's like, tell me how you want to solve it first, you know? And and they they some people were like, well, I'm asking you the question, but I got to be honest with you, I, I, I kind of made a decision already. I'm like, that's fine. So, you know, execute that decision. Let me know how it goes. And they may come back to me and say, well, didn't go as well as I would have liked. And that's when I give them a little bit more feedback of here's something I may have done a little bit different in that situation. But I, I'm a big proponent of you're never going to grow as an agent. You're never going to grow as a manager. You're never going to grow as a person if you don't kind of feel comfortable making your own decisions. If you've got to rely on someone all the time to say yes or no for you, then how are you going to grow as a salesperson in our business today? You know, so I'm all for go out, you know, as as a new agent, maybe bring someone with you so you don't make too many mistakes. But as you feel more comfortable, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to make decisions that are not, you know, the best decision for that seller, the best decision for that buyer. But you can't go back on those decisions. You just got to learn from those decisions and, and learn as you move forward. Here's another way to look at that opportunity and do something a little bit different. So, Dang. Al Peachy with the mic drop right at the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, hey, it's all good, my friend. And again, it's it's uh, it's a great business we're in. I, I this is my twenty first year here. You know, uh, that's crazy. Twenty first year, twenty first year, fifteen years wow. with Real USA, and now six with Howard Hanna. So it's it's been a great business for me. I love it, and I most appreciate opportunities to uh, get to work and interact with people like yourself, Corey. Yeah, man, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I, I, man, you, you're such a busy dude, and you took out 45 minutes of your time. I really appreciate it. It was great getting to chat and getting to know you a little bit better. I heard so many great things about you from Merle and, of course, Mark, and just being able to chat more that rather than be like, "Hey, Al, nice to meet you. See you later. Absolutely. Have a good night." You know, it, well, it's refreshing. Well, it's funny. Well, I, I saw you at the convention, and I, I knew you had a role as a speaker there. And again, it's nice to you know find that time where we could sit down for fifteen or twenty minutes and then do a podcast together. So yeah. I simply appreciate you uh, yeah. reaching out to me, Corey, and I look forward to doing uh, doing more to help uh, your business grow and uh, you know do more stuff like this. It's great. Yeah. Next time we'll get coffee or beer or something. I like the second one better. <laughs> Thanks, Al. I appreciate you, dude. Take care, buddy. Have a good day. Bye, bye.
Thank you so much for listening to the show. The love and support that you guys show me is such a wonderful thing. From the text messages to social media posts, it's just a constant reminder of how many awesome people I have in my life. If you want to support the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with your friends and tell them what your favorite episode is. If you think yourself or someone you may know would be great on the podcast, reach out to me and we can make it happen. I love putting these out and getting a chance to talk to so many interesting people is so incredible. So thank you for giving me your time, and I appreciate you guys more than I can put into words. I love you people very much.